Today's episode is the first of a two-part series on New Year's goals. And today we're going to talk about things that you might want to consider getting rid of for 2024. Up next. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit, episode number 53. My name is David Lane. I'm your host and it is great to be with you once again. So we're just about done with 2023, which means this podcast has almost completed its first year because we started on January 2nd, practically the very beginning of the year. So right off the bat, I just want to say thank you so much if, if you've listened to, if this is your only episode or if you've listened to all 53 episodes, I am very grateful for your support and for all of the shares, for all of the mentions, for all of the messages that you've sent. Just thanks so much for being a listener, and I look forward to what year two is going to bring. I'm going to wait until the first episode of January, which happens to be January 1st this year. Yes, there will be episodes, all those short ones, out for Christmas Day and New Year's, which happens to fall on a Monday. But I wanted to take this week and next week to just talk about New Year's goals. And I want to approach it from two completely different ways. Obviously, this is the Musician Toolkit. We're going to talk about it from a musician standpoint. But some of what we'll talk about is what will allow you the space and the time to become a better musician in 2024 than you are now. So next week, for episode number 54, I'm going to offer some suggestions of things that you can do to basically add to your life as goals that will help you to become, once again, a better musician. But for today, I, would, I want to approach it a little bit differently. I want to talk about some things you might want to consider purging. So let me frame this topic in a different way. I'm a big fan of what people call auditing, aspects of your life. Now, this goes by other names, depending on which author or which guru is talking about it. But basically, what I'm referring to is the practice of looking at everything that you do, everything that you have, and just deciding, do do you really need this in your life? And I'm using the term need loosely. We, We have a lot of things in our life that we don't need, like to survive or anything like that. But... It means so much to our happiness and to our mental well-being. But all of us tend to have things around that we don't use, that we don't need, that it's just in case. And so this might be a more appropriate episode for Christmas, or at least maybe the day after Christmas, I'm not sure. But before you start thinking about what you'd like to do in 2024, I'd like for you to consider what might you let go of in 2024. So I'm going to offer a list of 12 suggestions today, 12 categories of things that you might want to consider. Now I've done several episodes with numbered lists like this already and off the top of my head I can't think of any where I would say that it would be a bad idea if you followed every single one. I don't expect you to ever follow every single one. I'm going to say that it probably would not suit your purposes in this particular case 
to follow every single example. So I just want to say that, that up front. I don't want you to misconstrue. I'm going to offer some suggestions of some categories, some things that you might want to consider letting go, but I cannot picture a scenario where if you're going to be a musician, as opposed to say a monk living in solitary, <laughs> in a solitary environment, I just can't picture you following all of these. I don't think that that would give you any benefit, but I bet all of you could find at least something, maybe two, three or four things off of this list that might just give you some more room in your life to free up what we're going to talk about next week. And that's the things that you can add to your life to try to improve yourself as a musician in 2024. So these are in no particular order. And the goal here is to basically get yourself to ask some questions, but I, I'm going to offer just some questions that you might consider. So the first thing is, and, and again, no particular order, streaming services, and this can be video, this can be audio. So, you know, Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus, I have two of the more minor ones. I have Canopy, which goes through my local library, which has more kind of artsy films, some classics, some independents, and some other things, also some documentaries. There's also BritBox for British television. There's Hulu. There are, there's Apple TV. I mean, <laughs> I don't even have a lot of the, a lot of the others. Like I don't have HBO or Paramount and it just goes on and on. It's just, you can have all of these streaming services. Now, maybe I listed this one first because I'm recording this on December 13th. And this may give you an idea of why this episode was on my mind about getting some things out of your life so you can free up time for more things. But I am, I have always been what I consider to be a movie buff. I mean, I'll just tell you a few things about myself. I, when the AFI 100 film list first came out in the late 90s, I made a point of watching all of them. With the exception of one film, I have watched every movie that has won the award, the Oscar for for Best Picture, the Academy Award for Best Picture. And I will hopefully get around to that soon. But I'm recording this on December 13th. The last time I watched even a single second of a movie or a TV show was Halloween. And it was just kind of my annual rewatching of the movie Halloween, but that's it. Now, my life won't always be this way. I'll have time to start watching some films. In fact, I'm almost determined as I'm, I'm going to break the streak tonight. I'm going to stop work today at uh, no later than 6.30 and I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna watch something tonight. It might be just an episode of something. But, you know, if I just rattle off what are the streaming services I have, I mean, off the top of my head, we have six. Do we, do we need six streaming services when I'm not watching anything? And then when it comes to music streaming services, now I only have Spotify. I don't use, you know, really anything else. But, you know, some of you may have Apple Music. You may have Amazon Music. You might have Audible. When it comes to audiobooks, I have, uh, I use Libby through my library as well. Now, look, as I'm living proof that you can have all these things <laughs> and they don't even enter your life. But is it possible that you spend more time than you know you need to sitting down and watching things, consuming media, simply because it's there and maybe you want to feel like you're getting your money's worth? 
Are there some things you could let go of? So again, this is not saying that you should. This is what we're, what I'm suggesting you do is, is an audit. Look at what you have and decide how important it is for you to keep it. Is it something that you need or is it something that you really want? So the first one was streaming services. The second category that I offer is one that I don't think you'd ever hear anybody else say. This is definitely a sign that it is something personal for me. And that is books or certain, certain kinds of books. How many people have you ever met that have said, I wish that I could read less each year? Nobody says that. Everyone's saying, I wish I could make time to read more. Well, with the exception of 2020, which was an exceptional year in a lot of ways for most people, I've read a hundred or more books every year since at least 2006. And just recently I've found that I'm actually happier going slower, taking less time per day reading, but just kind of focusing on one book and maybe, maybe one book and one audio. I've had sometimes like four or five books at a time and, you know, going at the same time. And so I started thinking, you know, next year, I'll go ahead and share. I think I'm going to do my best to cut my reading number in half. I want to try to get to read about 50 books next year, basically about one a week. And if I look at my scattered lists of books that I want to read that are on things like Libby or Goodreads or whatever, my library's website, my, my account information there, we're talking well over a thousand books that I've, I've said, I think I would like to read this. I think it's something like 1100, maybe 1200 books. Well, 50 is a small number. In fact, 50 is a number that if I didn't add any more books, it would take me about another 25 years to catch up with just the list that I have, which kind of tells me that I'm probably not going to catch up on it. So if I'm only going to read 50 books a year, and I know some of you are probably straining yourself with the eye rolls, you know, <laughs> 50 books a year probably sounds like quite a lot to some of you. Well, again, you see where my priorities have been. I have not watched anything since October 31st. How many of you who think 50 books sounds like a whole lot can say that you've gone basically seven weeks without watching anything? Anyway, back to my point. I need to really think about the kinds of books I want to read. What are more important? And I know there's a place, and I've really enjoyed them. There's a place for pleasure reading, and and I'm I know that I'm going to keep some of my favorite authors that tend to put out at least one book a year. I think I'm going to read those. But I've never been one that has to read like all of the fiction books that show up with like Oprah recommends or that show up on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, I, it's one of those I have read the, those types of books. It's not something that that I feel need to do at this time. However, you know, books that help me with business, books about psychology. I'm interested in books about science and history. And of course, anything that helps me as a mu- musician. But when it comes to fiction, I think I'm really becoming more interested in just revisiting or in some cases, visiting for the first time, just some classics, some older books with, with some deeper wisdom. Now, that's just me, but I'm probably going to let a lot of other books go that I've enjoyed before. Or I'm just going to be very picky about what I spend time reading. And one of the things I'm probably going to start doing is have a really quick trigger 
if a book is not working for me, I'm going to say probably in the first 15, 20 pages, just stop reading it. And I don't care if it's a book that I'm supposed to have read. If I'm not able to get any value from it within 15 or 20 pages, or, you know, I do a lot of audiobooks, so maybe the first 45 minutes, that's it. So this may not apply to a lot of you, but certain types of books take time to audit your reading habits. And again, if you're not reading, well, that may be something we might talk about next week. We talk about things to add. The third thing you might want to audit, I just kind of lumped all these together, physical items. Now, not all physical items, but I'm thinking like clothing, knickknacks, maybe like your physical media. <laughs> and of course, I'm probably thinking about this because we recently moved and we packed everything we owned in boxes and we're slowly but surely unpacking those. And I know that we thought about, do we really need to keep this before we packed it? But we're thinking even harder about it now that we're trying to find a place for it. And I'm just going to say personally, if it feels great to me to load up a box and take it to a thrift store as a donation. Also, I'm getting rid of a lot of paper. I'm digitizing some things. I have a lot of photocopies that I've used in notebooks. I mean, I have the books. I'm going to keep the books they come from. But it, it seemed really silly for me to have all these photocopies of it when I could just make digital copies of each one and have them online and use in Fourscore on my iPad and also save a lot of time, especially for a retirement center where I play an hour concert once a month and do a different program each month. My routine has been to take all the things out of the folder from the previous month, put them back in their slots and these file folders I have, and then find the copies I have for the new pieces and go through all of them, find them, put them in order. When I thought, you know, what if I had on a Google Drive file or Dropbox everything, a digital copy of everything labeled in alphabetical order, and then I could just find and import as needed into the various months program and save probably over the course of a year, seven or eight hours of work. So think about just all the things you want. Like this is a music podcast. So I won't get too much into, you know, the details of like clothing and things like that. But, you know, it's taken me a while at times to depart with a shirt that I really liked, even though I knew that there was a hole in it. It wasn't in good condition anymore. And I'm not the type of person I'm not going to be sewing up any holes or anything like that. I am not crafty like that. So are there physical items that you you just don't need and you don't really truly want anymore? Okay, so the fourth thing is, let's, let's actually bring this to music. Let's talk about musical instruments. So yes, I did an episode a few months ago with Eric Parati talking about how to add to your instrumental collection. And he had, he was one of two guests I had who said that they have more than 100 instruments. I've also mentioned before that several years ago I made what was a tough decision at the time, but I've only felt peace about it ever since then. And that was to sell my French horn that i had had since 1992, maybe 1993. It was one of those years we got it. And I sold it, I think it was in 2016. So at least 24 years that I'd had that instrument. 
and I won't get into all of the decisions that that went in that I weighed as whether or not to keep it or whether or not to depart with it. But you know, one of it just one of them just had to do with it was taking up a lot of space, and I wasn't playing it. I had great memories of it, but I just was not playing French horn anymore. We've had a few other instruments that we've departed with. Just, you know, there were ones we had. It was nice to say we had them, but we didn't need them just to say that we had them. Okay, the fifth thing you might want to audit. Again, this won't apply to all of you. And this is pretty funny that I'm even recommending it, but podcasts. Now, I hope that you'll keep the Musician Toolkit in your feed and continue to listen to it. But is it perhaps one of dozens of podcasts? Because I know for me... It had it, that's been the case. I I don't know how many dozens of podcasts I've added to my saved shows list. Now a lot of them aren't active anymore, so I don't get maybe that many. But you know, recently I've just there there are some podcasts that maybe it's had a change of who's hosting, or it's had a change of like what is their priority in terms of content or, or just something about it that just isn't speaking to me anymore. And simply by hitting unfollow, I can just remove that from the list. And I can also decide, you know, when it comes to podcasts, there's just a few types of podcasts that I really want to focus on right now. The thing I want you to keep in mind with all this is that you don't have much time. I, I hope that you are really valuing your time as a precious asset. If you are sleeping the seven to eight hours per night that most doctors recommend. And if you're taking even a combined hour to to sit down and eat, and if you're taking one or two hours of commuting, so what are we up to 10 hours now? If you're working eight hours a day, we're up to, to 18 hours. So I don't know if I've accounted for everything, but when it comes to spending time with your family, your friends, and doing... Uh, any kind of recreation, you know, you're talking about an average of about six hours a day. And that's really not a lot, especially if you have a whole lot of things competing for your time. And, you know, you probably don't live, well, let me say, I, I suspect that most of you probably don't live in just an enormously huge space. You probably have things taking up space that don't need to be there. Number six, YouTube channels. YouTube is full of so many things, so many fun things to watch. Uh, I think I this was one of the things that I added this year. I really got into just subscribing to a lot of things. Uh, remembered how much I really like geography. And uh, I started watching this one guy. Uh, I think it's called Real Life Lore. S some really impressive videos. And of course, guess what? His videos have gotten longer. But you know, the YouTube algorithm is really good and it recommends if you like that, you should try this and you should try this. And I think I've added most of them, at, at least a few episodes here and there or a few videos here and there. And and it's just too much. I need to go through my watch later list and purge it and find the things that are that I really want to to watch or that I feel that I really need to watch. OK, I'm halfway through the list. Number seven. And again, in no particular order, but let's talk to you who are teaching. Maybe you're, maybe you've been teaching or you're thinking about teaching in 2024. So one of the things you might want to consider is uh, how many students do you want? Do you want as many as you think you need, or do you need all of the ones that you have? And again, I'm, <laughs> this is, this is just something to consider. 
please don't say to anyone that David Lane of the Musician Toolkit says that you should get rid of some students. What you might want to consider, especially if you have vacancies, is do those vacancies need to be open? Or can you reorganize your schedule to be more efficient with your time? Now, if you're like me, and this was me as recently as about four or five years ago, and you're thinking, well, yeah, I need more students because I'm not getting that much of an income. Well, let me, get, let me offer two solutions that you might consider. So let's assume that maybe you're doing like a lot of teachers are doing and teaching 30-minute lessons. Well, consider expanding all of your students to 45-minute lessons. Now, what you do with the rate for these existing students is up to you, but I'm going to say for new students, any new students, take the cost of two 30-minute lessons or one-hour lesson and make that your charge for 45 minutes. Now, I've met one teacher that told me they tried 45 minutes, it didn't work for them, but I think it's the sweet spot for a lot of teachers, and I find that even my young students, I can make that time interesting enough that attention span is not a problem. But I have fewer students taking up more time, paying more per lesson. As I mentioned in the last episode, I charge a rate that inspires me to show up and give my best effort and to be a good teacher. And that leads to more satisfied students. It's a win-win-win all the way around. So if you're thinking of your teaching as a business... Instead of thinking about how can you get more students, maybe, maybe you need to up to a minimum point, but like what is the set, set a rate, set a time limit for each student, and just figure out what is the minimum number of students that you need to, to make that sustainable. And you might already have that many. You just need to rethink how you're doing things. But think about increasing your quality of your teaching, not necessarily your quantity. Another thing you might consider, and I know that I have, group teaching. If you want to see more students, but you want to spend a little less time, that is certainly an option. Okay, the eighth thing to consider auditing out of your life is uh, taking more gigs. I can tell you that this was the case for me last year and this year, well, especially this year, and it will really be the case next year. Back in 2019, I was involved as a music director or keyboardist in 11 different shows, almost one a month. This past year, I only did two. I have one that I know that I'm doing early in 2024, and I might do one more, but that's pretty much it. That's kind of my limit in terms of involvement because in musical theater, it just takes up, it takes up a lot of time, not just in you know having multiple shows, but in all of the rehearsals leading up to it. I know so many people who would never consider reducing the amount of time that they spend in theater. It's very important. For me, a little goes a long way. So you may also want to consider, as a professional musician, thinking about how much you charge and not accept gigs that are below that. Because the thing that I have found to be really stressful in recent years is what I what another podcaster calls golden handcuffs. And that's when you're just so busy because you have to be busy to stack all these fairly low paying projects together to make enough money that you don't have time to go pursue the things that you really want that could make more of a difference in your life. So this takes a lot of courage. So choosing what kind of gigs you you may want to say no to 
and having confidence in yourself to charge a higher rate in 2024 than you were in 2023. In some cases, maybe a lot higher. Okay, so a few more things. The ninth thing you might want to consider auditing is uh, restaurants. This is something that's on my mind because I'm walking distance within more than 20 restaurants. Like, as I say, like a mile or barely over a mile away (laughs) is about 20 something restaurants. And so it's just so fun. I love to walk, I love to eat, but this is an expensive choice to go about food. Much more than, you know, going to the grocery store or even subscribing to a service like we do uh, that's a meal prep service, you know, that comes to our house once a week. So when we start thinking about next week, things you may want to add for 2024, I'll go ahead and spoil. Some of them may be things that you can do to invest in your musicianship. So like things that you can buy and where does that money come from? It comes from money that you're not spending on something else. So, you know, streaming services is one of those things that you may consider cutting back on, but also restaurants. Can you make restaurants more of a special occasion? Can you make it like if you tend to eat out a lot by yourself, can you make it something that you really only do as as part of a social setting? So when you're out with friends or when you're out with family. All right, here's another musician specific goal. Something to consider auditing. How about your repertoire goals? This may sound a little controversial, but uh, most pianists do not need to learn every single piece by Chopin. You don't need to learn every sonata that Beethoven wrote or Mozart wrote. Now, if you are a professional pianist who records in the studio regularly, maybe you do, but I promise you that even your top professionals, there are pieces that have been written that, that they know about that they just haven't gotten around to. I had an adult student for 17 years, and uh, I, I've, I often marvel at his approach. He was a true intermediate student. He was the type of student who should be playing like the Opus 36 sonatina set of uh, Clementi, his six sonatinas. That's where he was. That was the type of piece that if he practiced uh, four to six to eight weeks on one of those, he could get it to sound pretty good. He, he could get really comfortable with that. But he was an adult student. He was actually probably about 20 years older than I am. And you know, he told me one day he, he came in with the Iberia Suite by Albanas, which is a much, much harder piece of music. And he said, I want to learn music like this. This is music that makes me want to practice. I know it's beyond what I should probably be practicing, but it's what I'm willing to do. I'm just not interested in Clementi Sonatinas. And he practiced one of those pieces for two years before he got it to a point to where he liked it. But he enjoyed those two years. So I guess what I'm asking you to consider is look at your repertoire goals and what do you really want to learn? If it's something you really want to learn, but it might take you the whole year to learn it, or you it might take you more than next year to learn it, but you really want to learn it, Put that, put that in your list. And if it's just something, just a placeholder, and you don't really have like a performance opportunity or a recording opportunity to use it, consider whether or not you need to be spending your time practicing it. All right, the 11th thing you might want to consider auditing are the people in your life. We hold on to a lot of people that we've known, and, and this is something that I can say for sure, that 
I am absolutely not the same person that I was 10 years ago. And I'm definitely not the same person I was 15 or 20 years ago. But I have people that I've known in my life for 15, 20 years. And I've, I've known since then. And, you know, social media uh, almost encourages you to like collect people in terms of statistics. Like the more you have, the, the merrier. But science tells us that we really only have room for about 150 friends at most in our life. Like any more than that, we, we are basically putting some on the back shelf. And it's not to say that you have to have 150. This is just kind of how our brains have evolved. But, you know, think about the types of people that you have in your life. And one of the things that I would consider is, do they help you feel better about yourself as a musician and about your goals? Or do they make you feel worse? Because I, I know off the top of my head, I know someone that I have known for a very long time. But if I choose to talk to them about any of my goals, I end up walking away from that conversation thinking, why bother? Everything is pointless because they're very negative about the possibilities of change and about growth in their own life. And it's almost a defense mechanism that they want to tear down your goals. Now, for for me, I choose to keep in contact with this person, but I need to really consciously not talk about my goals. And, you know, for, for some people, if, if that's the, where you're left, do you really want to keep that person in your life? If you have to not talk about the things that really matter. So I just mentioned social media. That is the 12th thing that you might consider auditing. So not just from your personal use, but also from your business use, you're, you're going to find people who suggest that if you want to be successful, you need to be posting to TikTok, you need to be posting to LinkedIn, and uh, you need to be posting to Instagram and Facebook and Twitter slash X and and so forth. Now, I can also point you to people who say that you actually can do just fine without any social media whatsoever if you go about things, you know, with a really good website and, you know, probably have to do some ad placements and and, or maybe even a strong email list. There's some ways to get around that. But what I would encourage you to do is why don't you pick three at most that you really focus on? So this podcast, for example, I only post about it on Twitter when I have a guest that I know is on Twitter. I haven't found that to be a particularly successful way to grow the podcast. I haven't gotten a lot of feedback from, from LinkedIn when I've done some things like that. Um, what's what I found to be the most helpful is Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube Shorts. But I really have started to think, you know, maybe I should pick one of those three to try to get more out of it and really grow my audience there. And this is a strategy that you can use in a lot of things in your life that I've heard people say. If you have a lot of things you want to do well, don't try to do them all at once. Well, you don't have to grow your entire social media audience on all of your platforms at once, you could really focus on one of them. So what are some things that you're considering purging for 2024? What are some things that you want to get rid of or do less of so that you have more time for other things? And we're going to talk about what some of those other things could be as a musician. So if, if this was kind of a more of a general podcast, next week's going to be very specific to musicians. But if you're not a musician, I think you'll still get something out of it. So this was surprisingly longer than I thought it would be. And I'm going to go ahead and wrap up here. 
Just want to encourage you, if you have a studio of any kind, consider checking out Fonz. It's a way that might help you lose some of the time that you spend in admin and in scheduling and have more time for doing other things with your teaching. Again, that's going to wrap up episode number 53. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back again next week.